You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Path Podcast. Uh, we're joining you tonight from the Tustin location of The Path Bike Shop. Uh, and I'm here as usual with Tawny and Ock. Good evening. Stoked up. <laughs> um, I think, as usual, Ak is going to lead us off with um, all the shop updates. All right. So it's been an eventful past couple of weeks, and it looks like it's going to be an eventful uh, next few weeks. And we're having technical difficulty. No, we're okay. All right. So... <laughs> So it's been an eventful past couple of weeks. It's been uh, we've got a lot of cool events coming up here. We're getting into kind of that race scene, um, race season. So lots the of race season is yeah, upon us. Race season's upon us. Sea two otter. races this weekend. Two races this weekend. Man, past weekend was Sea Otter. So uh, we had a lot of people there from the from the race team. So uh, exciting times. So what's coming up with shop news? So we've got a Rocky Mountain demo coming up on May 15th here at the Tustin shop from 10 to 3. Take note, this is the Tustin shop. A lot of our demos are at the Live Oak shop. This one's going to be at the Tustin shop, and we're going to going to be able to go ride Santiago Oaks. Yep, so come visit the original location of the Tustin Path Bike Shop. 10 to 3. 10 to 3. So, again, bring your license, bring pedals, uh, bring, bring your favorite pedals if you want, um, and uh, your helmet and shoes, and away you go. And what's that date again? That's May 15th, Rocky Mountain Demo again. They've got some pretty killer bikes out. The That Thunderbolt, um, Thunderbolt BC. They've got the uh, the Instinct, again, which I ride and I, I love. Kind of hoping they bring that new pipeline. I want to try some different plus-size bikes. Mm. What, uh, what What is the new pipeline? A lo- bunch of Bs. <laughs> Just a few extras? <laughs> 650, 150 Bs plus. Nice. 27 nice, and a half nice. plus. Ooh, high um, power like. Um, it takes a th- what a three? I think a three point two rear tire, which, or a, is it a? It takes a bigger high tire than a high tower. Cool, cool. So, pipeline. Yeah, Rocky Mountain pipeline. That's cool. So, um, yeah, come out and visit us on May fifteenth. That'll be a, a good time. So let's see what else do we have going on here. We also have, as far as uh, sales go, we've got what we're calling the sneak peek sale. And so at the sneak peek sale, you're going to see, um, you're going to see actually a number of 2016 bike models on sale at discounts. We cannot mention on the air, but well worth your time to come by. We're talking real end of the season prices. This is what we usually do when we get the new model in, but we have not got the new model in and will not for some time. Man, this is exciting. So things like um, you might see all models of BMC uh, at these at these prices. All models of BMC that we have in stock. All models that we so have. So Rocky and BMC, it's what we have in stock. Giant, it's what we have in stock. And special orders on, on almost stock. every Man. special Giant mountain bike. There are some, just if you go to the website, web, website www.thepathbikeshop.com, uh, it'll list a whole bunch of models of Giant, things like the Anthem Advance 27.5, the Anthem Advance uh, SX 27.5, 
the Rain Advanced 27.5 All Models, the Rain 27.5 All Models, the Trans Advanced 27.5 All Models, including the SX. Man, so this is um, it's pretty phenomenal. I, I'm feeling crazy. I think Perry will forgive me, Mr. Perry Kramer, and I'm gonna. We're not supposed to talk about the actual discounts in public, only in the shop. But just to kind of whet your appetite, the Trance Two, great bike. We sell it all day at twenty seven hundred dollars. You're gonna be able to get it for pretty close to two thousand oh, dollars plus tax. Oh dang! But, and you cannot go wrong with a giant Trance, especially. Uh, I mean, those are just great bikes all all around. Trance Two SLX. Fox front and rear suspension, dropper post. Oh, dang. Right about two grand plus tax. Oh, man. We can't say the actual price on the air, but, <laughs> but right around there. So, um, also, I'm not sure if this is actually part of the sale, but there's a number. Of, oh, no, never mind. This is not part of the sale, but just actually as a reminder that a number of 2016 Kona models have been discounted by Kona. By Kona themselves. The Precept 150 and the. 111 DL. Process 111 DL. And some other ones. Yep. The Asato, the whoa, whoa. So. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually, it's, you know, uh, Brian, the buyer here at the Path, rides a lot of fat bike stuff, and and he endorses that bike all the time. And I got to say, around Southern California, there's not a lot of guys that are experts on fat bikes, but he's one of them. He goes to Alaska on a regular, uh, you know, yearly to do fat bike races, and uh, he vouches for that bike. He also heads out to Minnesota, eh? <laughs> I yeah. want to put a surfboard rack on one and kind of cruise up and down the beach and check out the waves. It's it's the new beach cruiser, I think, for Southern but California like, guys. When you, I mean, beach cruiser in this context means, like, not on the boardwalk, on the sand. That's right. On the brake line. You could literally be... Well, and you, it, for those of us in SoCal who know about surfing, like, churches, I wonder if you could ride your bike on the sand over to churches and, and skip Ooh, that mile or two hike with right. your surfboard. That would be cool. That would be cool. There might be a demo coming up with Kona Woes on the beach and stand-up paddleboards <laughs> from our, our, our Kona rep, Kelly. <laughs> that, that sounds like that's his style. doing right now. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Who knows what else? Probably stuff we can't talk about on air. I, uh, <laughs> I'm very tempted on the Woe fat bike. Um, I have a Kona Minute uh, cargo bike, and, man, I use that thing for everything from – uh, going making Costco runs. Actually, I don't, but my wife uses that bike to do Costco runs. Um, I actually do too. So I've I've actually given my 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 family members uh, actually like taxi service to baseball practice and martial arts practice around town. As long as they're under a hundred pounds, they're good to go. I'm gonna have to keep uh, keep dieting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what else has been going on? Um, we've got some upcoming upcoming races. Go out to Fontana this weekend and cheer Megan on. Awesome. Megan was a special guest uh, last podcast. Um, definitely up and coming and on the expert expert enduro women's scene. Uh, so if, if you want to hear some insights from Megan, uh, she was our, our guest in our last podcast, but she'll be racing out at Fontana. And I think if you... If you recall, Nathan probably touched on that. He's he raced out there last weekend, or I should say, at the last race at the enduro scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did the Fontana City National, and I did the the enduro event, um, and uh, that was four runs. I think this weekend is going to be a super D, and I think it's two runs of the same course. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the enduro, we did uh, four runs of different courses. Nice. Pretty stoked over the humps getting started again. Yeah, very much so. 
So that's actually over the hump. It's a series of it's two halves um, split into is it six six races each each segment. And so over the hump is actually starting in I think that's two weeks May tenth. So that's at uh, a local uh, lake regional lake called Irvine Lake here in the Santiago Canyon area. And um, again, it's this is the eighth year I think that it's been it's been running. It's a great event. I mean, you got everything from kids' races to to local pro races, uh, uh, racing in the evenings after after work. So it's a fantastic time. That event got shaken up a little this year, and I think a lot of our listeners are wondering. They know that mm-hmm. Irvine Lake, as we know it, is closed, mm-hmm. and the concession that um, Matt and the crew over at Over the Hump used to work through no longer has control of that area. Um, it's still going to be good. It's yeah. going to be better than ever. Matt and the crew over there are fired up, and they're getting creative with a new course. Um, the first week, we'll see how far they can get in building the new course. This got sprung on them kind of last moment. Mm. But they have some great opportunities there to build a better course than ever. And without question, the venue is better than ever. Um, so in the past, if you were heading kind of you know southeast on San Diego Canyon Road to head to over the hump and you would make a left at the lake there and there'd be kind of a traffic jam every Tuesday night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um now you're going to make a left at the next turn. Oh. Like you would for like Born Free or the Brouhaha. Right. And you're oh, going to go yeah. back Better behind access. the lake. It's going to be a, an easier turn. It's going to be a bigger um exposé and and, and party area after the race with more shade cool more shade and uh i think it's going to be better than ever and and matt and the crew are under a lot of pressure and they're kind of that you know they're a little stressed out but i i toured um the new area that they're going to use for the course on a rhino with them yesterday and i think they're going to pull it off and and really come through with something better than ever yeah that's that's cool to hear um and for uh, for those of you path listeners as well um the shop the path bike shop is going to be the featured sponsor at the May 17th race so the second week of racing the the path bike shop's going to be the featured sponsor so come out and support us we're still trying to decide on our theme for that night we always have a theme mm-hmm. people dress up and we have a good right. time and we're throwing around star wars mm, we're so throwing around the 80s that's right it's the safari someone added safari i i don't like that one I don't know. It's fine. If we do safari, <laughs> we do safari. Right. There's an alo- aloha theme is, is, yeah, is that's in cool. the mix. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I kind of like that one. Yeah, I like that too. But, you know, I'm going to go with the flow. <laughs> so, yeah, so that should be exciting. Uh, over the hump, it's always a, a fun time. Whether you, you know, if you want to go out there and race, you can also bring the family there's a lot of activities there, a lot of people milling around. Not everyone's racing, but everyone's having a great time. So probably hundreds of racers. Usually four to 500. Yeah, so four to 500 racers. They've got a kids' race, uh, which is well-organized. Family-friendly, beginner-friendly, expert. Um, you could go out there and, and, and race some real experts. Um, the experts are usually smoking. Yep. yep. And then, did we talk about Nondot yet? We haven't talked about Nondot yet. Nondot, our good friends at Nondot, they're getting they're they're ramping up for their first race too. Um, actually, I think this might be their second or race their of second the season, race right? of the season. Yeah, right. the, the first one was the Whiting Ranch Time Trial, which is kind of a kind of a slow um, a, 
or not a slow, I'm sorry, a relatively <laughs> small race that's kind of a, a warm-up for the series. I, um, I, I resemble and, that comment. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the second one is a full regular cross-country race at Aliso Woods a uh, very early Saturday morning. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, April 23rd at Aliso Woods. If you check out Nondot Adventures uh, on the website, they'll have information on the race. For those of you who want to go race a mountain bike race with with tr- challenging trails, challenging descents, cha- technical climbs and technical descents, this is for you. Um, and those of you who view Laguna Beach and Aliso Woods as your home turf, this is for you. That's right. Home, and home, those yeah, of you home who want to go take that home turf advantage away from those of us who see Laguna as our home turf, this is for you too. This is for you too. This is a great course. It's a really great course and a good organization. I think you've got both like the what they call the Choya climb, um, rocket downhill, which is long, rocky, um, sort of technical high speed um, uh, trail downhill, and then up another trail called Mathis, which is probably two and a half to three miles of of just brutal uphill. Maybe yeah, not that long? I I don't know. You know, I actually don't know the length of it. That's not, that sounds Too like long? a little long. Maybe yeah, but. It's relatively steep. It's got some steep pitches in it, and, and grunting up that hill at race pace is pretty, t- pretty mm-hmm. tough. I think the experts do it twice. When I started mountain biking, climbing Mathis was a mountain bike ride. You'd climb Mathis, you'd go down <laughs> Rocket. That was a mountain bike ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you'd be tired after that. Yeah, I think yeah. so. so <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, to, your, to your question, the, the – or I guess the elite class, they call it the elite oh, okay, class, right. which is like the expert class. We'll do, um, we'll do two loops of the Mathis rocket loop. Oh, okay. Interesting. Awesome. Um, because they, they used to do another trail called mentally sensitive at the beginning of the loop, which was relatively technical, but there, that's not happening this year. I think there was some issues with getting access to that particular trail. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It, <laughs> I saw a little bit of a, a Facebook discussion on, uh, someone asking a question about uh, are there any trails at another local park called Santiago Oaks that are similar in nature to Rocket? And mm, maybe not, but anyways, it was funny because <laughs> one of the one of the one of the commenters said, "Yeah, races are won and lost. This race is won and lost on the Rocket downhill." And someone else had posted, "Yeah." If you you could kill them on the Choya and and the Mathis climbs and really make up time there, and it could, and I thought that's the whole race. I wish <laughs> it were true. Really, honestly, is my opinion on that because yeah, I think I could come in towards the upper half of the rocket race, but I'd still lose the overall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, that's the nature of cross country, right? Cross country racing is um, you're you spend more time climbing so if you're a 10% faster climber that's a 10% advantage spread over a much greater exactly. time of the race if you're a 10% faster downhiller doesn't exactly make up the same difference exactly it's just the nature of the beast right and that's that's why we have gravity sports to bring out those strengths or maybe maybe assign points to the uphill and downhill yes that's uh <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> i'm I'm treading on thin ice. Ox, ox poking the bear in the woods over here. My my mountain bike race manifesto. Um, Ooh, manifesto. I like it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's we are done with shop news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, just another race that's coming up. Actually, one of my favorite race series 
Um, they don't get a lot of attention. They're relatively small turnout. So if you're in the Southern California area, um, go check them out. It's the Rim Nordic Enduros, and that's in Running Springs. It's like on your way up to Big Bear. The first race is going to be May 1, and uh, that's a Sunday, and it's going to be an Enduro. It's usually four four to five stages. Sometimes it's five. I think there's four stages. Um, really, really low key. So if if they they put on a great race. I mean, I've been racing with Rim Nordic off and on for ooh, 16, 17 years. Like they're <laughs> they're great, um, really nice people, really great event, um, very low key. So anybody ever interested in enduro, it's a great way. It's a great way to start. Ah, cool. Thank you. For, thanks for that. And and how many less turns is it to get to um, Bear Mountain than it is to get to Snow? Oh Sonic? yeah, they. <laughs> Well, Snow Valley, right? Snow, Snow Valley, Valley advertises like, oh, we have like 120 less turns than going to Snow Summit. So it's about half an hour. Yeah, it's about half an hour, but the windiest part of the drive for sure. Right, the race car part. Yeah, exactly. Um, you missed but, the part where I almost always crash my car. <laughs> and you save a half hour on the drive. So it's actually not that far of a drive from Orange County in L.A. No, I think I think it's like 90 minutes to, from at least where we're at in South Orange County. Um it's like 90 minutes up to um, Snow Valley, but it's in it's racing in the mountains. It's kind of high. It's 7,000 feet, yeah, so you're going to get windy. Very much so. But um, it's super fun courses, really nice people, and um, it's really it's a low-key, low-stress event. Like, there's not a lot of pressure. It doesn't feel like a super racy environment. It's it's very relaxed, um, and it's, it's fun. And I think you end up getting 15 to 20 minutes of race time in the enduro stages. Um, but yeah, I, if anybody's ever interested in trying an enduro race for the first time, this is the one I would recommend hands down. Do they ever do those on Saturdays? Typically they do. So this one, normally they have cross country races there as well. And typically the cross country race is Sunday mm-hmm. and the enduro race is Saturday for Ooh, the reason that right. cross country kind of gets the spot for Sunday. Right. Well, this one is early and they're not doing a cross country race. So they're doing everything they're doing the enduro race Sunday. So this is a little atypical for Rim Nordic. Typically, it's enduro Saturday. Yeah, I've heard you speak well of the Rim Nordic, and um, man, I, I would like to try and get out there this year. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll have to plan a trip up there. Maybe yeah. we can field a PATH podcast team. <laughs> Maybe we can go race and podcast at the same time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or after. <laughs> Hang out and record in the woods. From a campsite? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Friday night to Saturday. This is how great plans are formed, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it happens. Yep. Friday night to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday. Yep. Oh, man. Maybe a little fishing. Oh, gosh, I would love it. Find a stream to go jump in. Deep Creek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I've caught a lot of good trout in Deep Creek. <laughs> Hopefully they got some water. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's decent amount of I snow up there do. maybe this year. Sweet. Awesome. All right, so Rim Nordic Enduro, May, May 1st. That's a Sunday. Typically runs out on... Um, on a Saturday, check it out. Uh, if Nathan's endorsing it, that that speaks volumes for the uh, for the race venue. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so great. A uh, lot of lot of cool things that have happened. Um, a lot of uh, uh, cool races that are upcoming, and um, I guess maybe moving on to other topics. So um, I don't know. Should we jump on to our? Um, repo man here yeah let, let's lead with the exciting story i would say let's I love it yeah tony give give us the story here i guess given the background i guess where it started i should probably start with the robbery 
Yeah, yeah, we should or start the with theft or the break-in yeah. or whatever. Yeah, or the two. Maybe give a just a once-over to all our listeners if if uh, they run across these bikes out there. Okay, so we recovered the Kona Blast, awesome. but if you see a small green Process One Thirty Four that anything seems suspicious, check our Facebook and match the serial number. It's probably our bike. Yeah, so if you go out to the Facebook, um, and uh, if you're if you're friends with us on, on Facebook, check it out. Um, the Path Bike Shop uh, on Facebook. There's some pictures of, of a couple of bikes, a number of a couple of bikes that were that were stolen from actually both the from the life. Yeah, so I guess to start out, the we li- have two different sets of stolen bikes that we're dealing with. We have we were we, our Live Oak store was broken into um, a week ago tomorrow, Dang. and um, or a week ago tonight at three fifty-five a.m. That's right, and two two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. And then, um, it's uh, man, time time is a blur ever since, <laughs> I'll tell you that. And then we had a couple of demo bikes that we got defrauded on and that were not returned. A medium high-tower 27.5 plus with the S-Kit and, and a medium 2016 Giant Glory. Yeah. So, un- unfortunately, to fill in the listeners, the what... The the path live oak got broken into and two two bikes got snagged in that event and then about a week later two two demo guys pulled a scam and didn't bring bikes back so four bikes total have been stolen from the path in the last couple of weeks basically. one has been recovered so one down three to go one down mm-hmm. three to go mm-hmm. it's been a rough week been it's, a rough two weeks <laughs> yeah so it's unfortunately it's like lightning struck twice on kind of like different body appendages but it did kind of strike twice unfortunately and um so you know whoever <laughs> no one listening to this show would ever i we all believe this we don't break into guys. Bi- yeah don't break into bike shops i mean that is just that is low man don't break into bike shops. Usually, don't, don't break into bikes. any retail. And don't steal bikes. You know, and don't steal bikes. Yeah, just you know, try to avoid that. Yeah, follow the golden rule. Yeah, don't <laughs> steal bikes. <laughs> um, Do unto others. Yeah. So, so there, there I am, Thursday night, three fifty-five a.m. I'm sleeping on the couch because I had come home. I almost want to think it was the night after our last it podcast. Was. It, was. It, it was. It was. So it was that night. We, we, I was out kind of late, and I didn't want to wake up my my wife and my five-month-old daughter. So I had slept on the couch, dog sleeping next to me, about 3.55, phone starts, my cell phone starts ringing, and, and you know that that's not a good phone call. Yeah, exactly. So I woke up, because I knew it wasn't a good phone call, <laughs> and uh, right away I kind of knew it was something, I, I had a feeling it was something to do with people who like methamphetamines. Uh, just yeah, based on exactly. the time of day, and I knew the the, the the phone number. I recognized it as the alarm company. So three fifty five, um, about four a.m. I'm in the car um, with my dog, no socks, teeth unbrushed. <laughs> have to take a poop. <laughs> that is not fun. <laughs> and I'm trying to balance between speeding over to the Live Oak store and maintaining my calm because. My assumption was that I would get there and there would be perpetrators there and the police wouldn't be there yet because generally the reputation is that the police take about half an hour to get to this location. Um, so I'm trying to like, I'm trying to balance between rushing there but come in with a, a calm head and not rush into a dangerous situation and, cu- and put myself in danger or my dog in danger 
and um, I've got this Neil Diamond CD in my CD player. And like most people, I don't listen to CDs, and that's why there's still a Neil Diamond, the best of Neil Diamond <laughs> CD in my CD player. But I was so distracted that you know that's just what came on the best of Neil Diamond. Pretty surreal, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of relieved when I rolled up and saw the police. It was good to see the police there. And uh, long story short, um, the shop had been broken into. They had taken a little bit of cash that we had in our cash registers and two bicycles. And it was it was pretty interesting. CSI came and dusted for fingerprints. They explained to me that there's no such thing as fresh prints. You know, you can't tell if they're fresh or not. <laughs> I mean, if they're in, like, fresh snow or, some, you know, a right, pollen that right. just came out la- yesterday right, or something, right, right, right. they're fresh. But other than that, right. you, can't, you can't tell how old they are. Right. So, that you know, it was fun talking to CSI and, <laughs> and watching them do their thing. Um, pretty violating. And yeah, no uh, pretty long day, you know, um, basically 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. nonstop. Because you know, there's plenty of going on in the shop that's not gonna stop for for a break and entry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it took me about five days to shake it off and have like a, a, a normal feel to my life. Yeah, that's that's gotta suck. Man, it was a it was a week of of like people getting burglarized close to me. I had a a, a friend of mine, a family friend who's who's mom passed away recently and who had written letters to her to the grandsons and they were keeping them in a safe their house got broken into and that safe got stolen so these letters that grandma had written for key points in these boys lives um were stolen as part of that safe maybe the thieves needed those messages more than the boys did (laughs) (laughs) i'm guessing they probably did they need a message from Maxwell with some man love, I think. <laughs> a message, So anyways, I mean, it was kind of like, what a bummer. I mean, for you, totally, yeah. what a bummer, the sense of violation. So this last Saturday, I've been cruising around on Craigslist and, and Pink Bike and eBay looking for these bicycles. And this last Saturday, lo and behold, there's the medium Kona Blast with our price tag on the, <laughs> on the fourth leg and the sticker. I mean, seriously? Oh, so wow. it's a busy Saturday afternoon. And I'm taught Je- Jeff Frost is a manager who works here, and Jeff and I have recovered stolen bikes together before, so we kind of have our our act down, <laughs> repo man. And uh, we're talking about how we're going to do it, and we're talking about how you know we might be giving up some opportunities to make, like we're going to go recover this bike that that's a it's a thousand dollar bike, right? And if we if while we're gone. It gets busy, and we lose an opportunity to sell, say, a six thousand dollar bike. Then we probably made the wrong choice from a straight from a straight business standpoint. Right. So Jeff and I are having this discussion, and we basically agree that we don't care what the right business decision is. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go get the bike back, dude. Right. So and and you know I've got a five month old daughter, and I have a seven month old son, and my wife has a book club. Seven year old. Seven year old. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> five month old daughter, seven year old son. Wife has a book club. Book club. So, so I found the bike on Craigslist at, I think, I think at about one thirty, and I was, I had a drop dead time to meet my wife at the shop and take over childcare for the kids so she could go to book club at four fifteen, and I'm sure most married men 
can understand <laughs> that it's more important to be on time to watch your kids for book club than it is to get the bike back. Yeah, very much so. Probably. Especially yep. when it might not have been the wisest business decision. Uh, right. <laughs> right. But, so but so most men can probably also understand, and women too, maybe, that making the smart choice is often very difficult. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That's so I'm not saying I made the smart choice. We 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 arranged to meet in in Huntington about 20 minutes from the shop at three o'clock with the person who had posted the bike on Craigslist. It was myself and Jeff and a guy Matt who works for the shop. Nice. And uh, I drove separately. I parked about a block away, and my job was to come in as as it all went down and make sure you know be the be the added enforcement to whatever was going on. And uh, so, of course, our our subject is late to the meeting. At about three twenty, he shows up. Of course. And uh, we swoop in and we we verify that the bike has the serial number that we're, we we brought. You know, we brought the police report with the serial number, and the guy kind of <laughs> didn't want to give the bike up, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kind of was gave us some kind of you know i'm helping you get this bike back and i'm out 500 bucks and i was like hey man you're in possession of stolen property and and really until we establish otherwise you're a suspect in the break-in you're the only suspect we have in the break-in and he of course flew off the handle and didn't like you know being quote unquote accused and got in my face and I had to give him the dead eyes. <laughs> I think once I gave him the dead eyes, he knew it wasn't going anywhere. Right. So three, I had given myself a cutoff time to leave Huntington Beach and head back to Tustin of 340 because that's how long I needed to get. <laughs> so I left at about 342 maybe, and uh, of course it was really bad traffic oh no no and uh yeah my wife gave me that look not you the know de- like not the dead eyes not the dead eyes <laughs> thank goodness if, when my wife gives the dead eyes it's really really bad um but she gave me the look like i'm giving you a pass here even though you don't deserve it i think is what that look meant i don't know what it meant sometimes you don't know but it was kind of exciting it wasn't as exciting as when we got the dirt jump bike back from the gangsters in Santa Ana. Uh, I think I, I think I that vaguely... took that took. I mean, this definitely had that element of danger and fear. Like, oh, okay, so we're going to confront this guy and who knows who he is and everything. But the other time, we knew they were gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we met at five o'clock on rush hour, where you couldn't make it. I picked a spot where I knew that you couldn't it would take ten minutes to make a right turn out of the parking lot. Right. That so that that worked out and we caught those gangsters too. Oh dang. Did they was that a stolen bike from the shop as well? Yeah. Wow. Also found on Craigslist. <laughs> no <laughs> thieves. So posted on Craigslist. In the area that you stole it from with the tag in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. With the tag in the picture. That's like almost Darwin Award. Yeah. Well, to this guy's defense, he was not the perpetrator, and he had collected the driver's license from the person he bought it from, a picture of the driver's license, and he actually made them sign a statement saying the bike was not stolen. I don't know, wow. if, that, I don't know if that speaks to his defense or speaks to his knowledge of, of 
of criminal intent. I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I do, you know, I haven't been in a fight in probably 20 years. And uh, for just a second there, I thought I might be. Man, the adrenaline. I didn't feel a lot of adrenaline. I had really primed myself mentally to be non-reactive and just be ready for anything. And I was in a real kind of meditative breathing state. But, uh, yeah, that similar to, like, downhill racing, I feel like fighting, it's all about um, maintaining calm. Right. And like controlling your breathing and not not like spazzing out. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is so. Uh, I would not so be the wrong guy for this task. <laughs> I am undefeated in street fights. <laughs> Three and zero oh since nineteen seventy four. Haven't test. Ha- haven't put my belt on the line since nineteen hundred and ninety three. Though. <laughs> It's what? been a while. <laughs> well, that's cool. We're we're glad you got so. So, there's four bikes currently out, are that were stolen in a relatively short period of time. Recovered one, unfortunately, is, is the least expensive of the bunch. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but uh, so the blast is is back. Um, a process one thirty four is still small green, small green, still floating around out there. Uh, high tower. 27.5. Medium red with a lot of Bs on the wheels. A lot of Bs. 27.5 plus. I wanted to try that one. That was the medium? I wanted to try it. Oh, I mean, in all frankness, so I could knock 27.5 plus with authority. <laughs> <laughs> or so I could grow to love it, like one of the two. Yeah. Like, you were pretty stoked when that came in, I remember. Yeah. yeah. I think we even talked about that bike I, a yeah, We bit. were texting about it, yeah. I kind of feel like my 153, though, already has me, like, knowing what I... Like I, I I put those pretty wide stage three rims on my one fifty three and with two oh, yeah. tires it it almost to me has like a like a semi plus or like an almost plus yeah. aspect yeah. to it. Well let let's dig into your one fifty three build in a minute, but I just want to make sure we have all the listeners watching out for the fourth bike, which is the the downhill bike that was taken from the demo. It was the twenty sixteen giant glory medium. What color? It's like a yellowish, the 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 the, the kind of pop colors yellow. It's a bunch of colors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you're out there, especially in the Southern California area, keep an eye out for them and call the shop if uh, if you happen to see something suspicious. We'd really appreciate it. Awesome. Much appreciated. Man, um, I'm so glad you got that blast back. Set a size medium. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, so going back to Tawny has a new Process 153. Widest rims I've ever run. Okay. I really wanted to try, like, modern wide. And those are the new, the Stay True wheels, yeah. which is a Santa No, those Ant. are, uh, yeah. I have the Stay Trues. Do you so have the Stay Trues? Yeah. Oh. I got Stay Trues, dude. No. <laughs> I thought they were the I built Envies. it up with the Envies, but, right. but while it was getting built, I had been um, kind of pinging Stay True on some wheels, right. and they made me an offer I couldn't refuse before I had ever rode those envies oh so those envies are now up for sale again and uh i've got state trees and i it, it worked out great because i really wanted to try because the the envies that i had um on the bike were the the 70 hvs which right. are wider than i think anything i've run recently but not as wide as the state trees they're like a 27 and i think the state trees are 29 yeah. at least state trees are 29 inside i think so that's pretty wide but 
I measured them and it seemed wider than that, but maybe that is what it is. It didn't seem much wider than that. Yeah. That's about right yeah. for sure. So I, I have a w- set of wheels with Nexty 40s, which are 35 in- internal, so touch wider than what you're running. But it sounds like you're having a little bit different experience with these wide rims. Well, I love – they are very confidence-inspiring. I mean, the traction and stability is truly noteworthy, and I'm running two, three high rollers, which I've run a lot. It's a tire I'm very familiar with, so it's there's a little bit of a control here. And there's definitely a confidence that comes with, with the rim width. Yeah. And when I was running mine, um, I, you know, I think the talk, the talk of the industry was like, you could run really low pressures and I was running like 20 pounds in mine. And that's when I realized, well, yeah, they won't fold over, but you'll still hit the rim on a hard impact, which I cracked the rear one on mine. So I've, on my 40 millimeter rims, which I'm not running them right now, but when I do, I still run 25 pounds. So what I've noticed is that my thumb test calibration is off with these rims. In other words, what feels like 30 PSI to me on these rims, what I'm accustomed to as far as like pushing with my thumb and feeling and saying, oh, that's about 30 PSI might only be 20 PSI on these rims. Wow, that's so, a big difference. So I I was thinking I was running kind of my normal PSI, which is about like give or take 28, 27 in the front and give or take 30 in the back. And I was running like 18 in the front and like 20 in the back. Ah, uh, okay. And it was – and I didn't hit the rim. I didn't bottom out. I didn't feel any pings. The rims are fine. But it felt really slow, like really slow. Yeah. Like I noticed rolling downhill next to – I was riding with Jeff and, and he was riding – um minion dhr front and back on Great. normal with on on you know probably 25 mil internal rims or something and and i would be pedaling and he'd be coasting and he'd still be accelerating more than me so i added some air and i went on the on a on the tuesday night ride and on that ride i the bike was rolling a little better and I, again those trails are pretty gnarly and it was very confidence inspiring on the downhills. The control and stability in, in chunky turns was amazing. Yeah. And so we're talking about, I mean, the increase, you gained about 10 millimeters in win, win, rim width, essentially. Well, no. From what I've been riding recently, almost that, or yeah. at least that much. So or okay. about that much. They are 29 on uh, interior, at least according to the website. Yeah. 29 interior, 35 exterior. So, but, okay. Uh, so maybe you gained about 5 millimeters, but... Yeah, like, I guess you're right compared to the 60 HVs that I'm running on the 5010. Yeah. I think those are yeah, you're right. But still quite a bit no big But that's usually noticeable. I could go another 5 millimeters with what you've got. Yeah, the ones that I have. Well, and I still stand by like I got those at a weird time the industry was like go 40, go 40 and then everybody <laughs> like there was this like 3 month period where 40 millimeter rims started coming out and everybody was thinking that was it and I was like great I'll get 40s and everybody was like oh bit much bit much okay 35 35 (laughs) like everybody dialed it back so I think kind of the 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 width that's like solidly wide but doesn't whack the tire out is like 35 but for me the 40s I have to be careful on what tires I run on those rims which is a little bit of a bummer um, because it'll you know, kind of mess up the tires a little bit. Yeah, and that's I'm running the uh, the same wheels that, that Tani has as well. The Stay Trues on my 5010. Do you feel like they're sl- like with the same tires? Do you feel like they're the same speed as a narrower rim? You know, that's interesting. I feel like it's like night and day. Like I feel, and I think it's because you get such a flat profile on the tire, and you end up with a lot of tire on the ground, which is a lot of friction. 
I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, it's I, the it's same like reason it's, it's a lot of traction. Yeah, it, it it totally makes sense. I I personally didn't notice that, but then again, you guys I just pedal right through that. You guys just get out your horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need every little bit of rolling I can get. <laughs> You're just a more sensitive to these things, yeah. right? And it's not not. Or, you know, I might be. <laughs> You're being, more in- I might be being really neurotic. I should probably go home and make sure all the bearings are good on my on my on my 153. <laughs> like maybe it's just a wheel bearing issue. The the one thing I did notice is recently on on my 5010, I had those wheels. I have Chris Kings with those Nexty rims on them, and um, I was running those for quite a while, and then switched back to the stock wheels, which are like DT 350s on like WTB some things with like 20 internal they're pretty narrow and um old school wide yeah old school wide that was like downhill size <laughs> yeah back oh, in the day uh, 21s That's yeah. right. um i noticed the the lateral stiffness in the wheel a lot yeah absolutely very confidence inspiring that that precision yeah yeah running those on the uh on the 5010 i'd start i had a few rides on on the 5010 with the with the stock stock uh what are they the Easton arc 24s i think they come on oh, that yeah which are 24. now gonna go on my 5010 <laughs> exactly <laughs> thanks Hawk. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> and i replaced them with the uh the stay trues which are the 29 I- internal width carbon and i do notice a little bit more drag on the when i'm when i'm uh, moving my chain uh back pedal when i when i'm rotating backwards that's uh, probably the inertia of the rim. Uh, no, 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 no. Just when I'm like when I'm rotating my. Uh, oh, that, maybe there's just an additional seal little bit on of that seal. Design. Yeah. So uh, I, oh, it's the free hub. The, the free hub, mechanism. like the free wheel mechanism, does have a little more drag than, on the DT version. No, this is the uh, this is the Stay True version. The Stay True has their own hubs, yeah. right? I see. So I yeah, do. DT is re- really free. free right. Strike. Exactly. And then so this has a little more. You know. Probably not as much as a king hub, though. Yeah. yeah. So I have DT350 hubs on my stick. Oh, you do? Wheels. Oh, nice. That, that's a, that sounds like a sweet Excellent build. Excellent choice. That is, a, that is a sweet build. <laughs> and um, so, but but I do, man, I, that's funny. I I didn't notice the extra drag. I didn't notice the extra drag. I do run. You really probably do have enough extra horsepower to drown some of it out. <laughs> 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 Tony exaggerates. He I, does. He I, does. I feel like when 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 I've been riding my fifty ten with you guys lately, I notice that my bike rolls a lot faster than you guys. Like if 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 none of us are pedaling, if we're just coasting, and then I've I've also noticed riding my one fifty three that my bike rolls a lot slower than not you guys, but other people who have normal right. rims. Yeah, I don't think I've ridden with you on your one fifty three yet. Man, yeah. am I slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride my no, one. I mean, I'll ride my 153 at the. That day. bike is super, super quiet and downhill. It it turns so instinctively, so intuitively, and it's everything seems so natural and quiet and smooth and 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 nothing seems scary. Yeah. But the way I have it set up, it it is not a fast roller. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant to be a if fast it, roller. <laughs> if it's pointed downhill enough to overcome that rolling resistance, it's really good. Man, I nice. I really want to go ride the 50, 153s right now. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Man. Well, I'm stoked on riding right now. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of good rides in. It's been oh, really awesome. the weather's been nice. Yeah, it has. Yeah. I've kind of I've kind of like taken an attitude of I like 
I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride even if my work doesn't get done. <laughs> nice. Well, I don't think anybody can argue you're not a hard worker and a dedicated uh, dedicated owner of this shop. Considering you're going exactly. So <laughs> it, it's what I tell time. everyone. I can take as much time as I want off as long as I work as hard as I possibly can stand as much as I possibly can stand all the rest of the time. <laughs> And I think you really are working a lot harder than uh, than, than than most. So uh, the, the rides are well deserved. Thank yeah. you, Rock. Definitely. Um, so Repo Man, man, that is that's awesome. And I, man, that makes me. Yeah, it, it was, felt good. It feels good the, to nail the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I and, yeah, and you know all the good. planning. You know, we're sitting there and we're like, okay, like, so you guys aren't going to go and just apartment no matter what. And this is what you're going to do if he says this. And this is what you're going to do if he says this. And, you know, you get it all lined out and you, you get on your group text and then the text comes in and you all convene on the suspect. And it's all coordinated and nothing against the cops. Uh, I've actually had some really, really good experiences with the, um, with the police lately. And with, you know, they, they actually showed up to Live Oak about 15 minutes ahead of schedule. Uh, oh, nice. And they were super thorough and super present. Right. And real uh, right, right. and respectful. They respected the situation. They respected the loss. Um, they were considerate. And the follow-through has been great from the um, Orange County Sheriff Department. Oh, fantastic. Um, but I will say that the reason we do our own repo operations is because our experience is that if you, let, if you tell the police you don't – if they do get it back, it sits in evidence for a year – Oh, no. And they usually just aren't quite as excited to get it back as we are. (laughs) And Really? (laughs) Like when we were leaving the shop to go do this and Megan told Jeff and I that we looked like cops. And I was like, whoa. But I I think we do a better job of not looking like the cops than the cops do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because you're not cops. And, (laughs) and, yeah, and we – and I – one of the one of the little things that we've done the last few times is we have one of the college kids who works here be the contact for the Craigslist ad. Oh, nice! So there's just the kind of right amount of kind of youthful, um, maybe some typos, maybe some <laughs> maybe some words that a policeman wouldn't use, you know. And it's all it's all organic. You don't have to tell a twenty year old to like to like um, sound like a twenty year old looking for a, a first right. bike. And- <laughs> <laughs> But coming from a, a 1974 Street Fighter, you know, I mean, it, yeah. right? <laughs> it I, might be more difficult for the police to pull that that, that act off. I, I would say you're giving away all your secrets, but I am a hundred percent sure that bike thieves are not listening to this. <laughs> well, and we have been a little bit careful to say how we got broken into, right? And you know, we definitely don't want to provide a step by step how to rip the path off. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> And trust me, it's difficult, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see Casino with Robert De Niro? <laughs> Somehow they got over the moat of piranhas and the un- untamed lions. And they're probably going to get their hand hit in with a hammer. <laughs> and they made it past the, the, the bench vice. Yeah. And the, and the sharks with the freaking laser beams on their heads. Exactly. <laughs> Not to mention what, like, Dennis Duty and Maxwell would like to do. Dennis Duty and Maxwell. <laughs> my, my fairy god-uncles. Exactly. <laughs> then again. 
Maybe we could have both of them on the show at the same time. Yeah, the Fairy God Uncle Show. <laughs> fairy God Uncle Show. <laughs> don't rip the path off. So, There's some very loyal customers. De- Dennis Duty took me on my for the listeners who don't know, Dennis Duty took me on my first mountain bike ride and start and in a lot of ways started this whole trip off. He also helped me pull my my first bottom bracket and really got me interested and involved in bike repairs. And he's just something else. Dennis Duty's the man. All around great guy. I think he has 20 years experience in the U.S. Marines. All, all as an, you know, never as an officer because he's just, he's just too, too hard for that. <laughs> too, too stubborn, too hard, too awesome. Not for too lack real. of qualifications. Not for lack certainly of not for lack of hard work, discipline, and guts. That's right. Um, and despite what he would say, brains. Exactly, and intelligence. I was going to add that, too. And uh, he's also our local frame repair person and bike and frame builder and metal worker. And I think we've all had a, a duty at Chunk Rat uh, in our stables at one point. Or yeah, I, I've, I've had two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, Dennis Duty and uh, Maxwell, we'll have to get you out here. We love you. So that's, uh, so that's Repo Man. Yeah. Um... Let's see what else. What else do we have on deck, guys? So I just want to close that. I mean, that really is kind of you know um, that sense of violation. I mean, and and things um, things can get tough. Uh, something like that is really kind of restorative. I think. On a pretty serious note, I've been working to embrace reality and be okay with whatever comes my way, and it's another chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Stoicism in the Tim Ferriss podcast, my friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, so just as an aside, so he's got Tim Ferriss. Um, he's got this podcast, and he recorded um, an, the audio books on Letters of Seneca. The the, the younger, the younger Seneca, right. the younger Seneca, the younger. Not that I know who Seneca the elder is, or if there <laughs> even is one. I just know that this is Seneca the younger. <laughs> and so, if you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, he actually kind of reads. Uh, he'll he'll play some of these um, his readings of Seneca Seneca's letters. And he so he recorded them all uh, and put them on Audible as an audio book. Well, I went out onto um, uh, Kindle and I and I was just seeing if there was a uh, Letters of Seneca version. And lo and behold, there's one that has a link. So you buy the Kindle book and it, it says provides a link to free audio of all the letters. Oh yeah, see, I bought I bought the audio book on Audible, so I bought I bought the Letters of Seneca as well. And so this book, We're guess, Tim Ferriss, guess Ferris, how much Ferris this Ferris. was? It was ninety nine cents on Kindle. Oh wow! wow. Deal of the day, deal yeah. of the day. And so I downloaded, I pay my ninety nine cents, and I'm like, where the heck is the link? And then I said, did I read that right? And I did. And so I'm looking in the, I'm like, well, maybe it's in the table of contents. I look and it says, oh, link to link to free audio. So I. Click that hyperlink and it takes me to the page, and the link doesn't work. Oh no! I'm like, no, what? This is free audio. I mean, I, I paid ninety nine cents for this. <laughs> 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 and so, so I shoot a quick email off to um, to to Amazon, right, to Kindle, yeah. and say, you know, hey, this audiobook or this book was Kindle book was advertised with free audio, and that's why I bought it. And you know, and, and um, I get a response back later in the day. And tech support or whatever says, customer service says, uh, dear Eric, we downloaded the Kindle book and, you know, found found the broken link um, that you had mentioned. And we verified that it does not work. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are correct, sir. And they said, you have, what did they say? You have, uh, like, like, here are your options. We can give you 
we can give you your $1 audio credit, you know, credit to, your, to our digital services. We can refund your 99 cents. <laughs> or we would be willing to, you can return the Kindle book and we'll refund you your 99 cents. Like, how about you? Where, where's the, where's the fix the link? <laughs> where's the fix the link? <laughs> so this is a good example of where the customer is always right isn't, isn't always as good as just giving the customer what they want. Exactly. They told you, you're, you're, they, you're right, sir. You're right. Sir. You're correct. You're correct. And I was like, shoot. This is a big thing at the path is it's one thing for the customer to always be right. It's another to actually give them what they want. <laughs> they can be right that they're not getting what they want. I exactly. I was, I, was, I was cracking up. I'll, I'm going to keep the 99 cent uh, book, and I don't think yeah. I'm even going to take the, the dollar credit. But, you know, uh, this may seem like a weird tangent, but I think that the letters of Seneca the Younger are absolutely a great resource for a. Um, a racer, a racer of any kind, but particularly a gravity racer who um, wants to work on the mental game, which is huge for gravity racing and and for any competition. Yeah, um, the, the mental game, facing your fears, being ready for um, all possible outcomes, eliminating cognitive bias, and and, um, and Kind of having a having your best chance at having a um, a true and objective view of of yourself and the field of of play and the course and and the terrain and your setup and all of that where where you you're not you're not misled by your own emotional reactions. Yeah, it's, it, this is kind of you know for a mountain bike podcast we're getting a. a <laughs> But you know what? I think we've had listeners long enough. This is kind of, yeah, kind of the stuff that well, fills in our Well, mountain biking is philosophical. There's it, a it philosophical is, yeah. side to it. There's the side of there's the side of, of managing danger, and there's the side of, of of confronting fears and 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 difficulties. And um, from what I understand, many of the most high performing athletes and leaders and and just general performers in the world and history have, have really made a practice of reading the letters of Seneca. This is what Tim Ferriss says. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently it's, it's quite popular in, in heavy leadership in Silicon Valley. I think that's, that was one of the things I heard him mention. In but the, also presidents of the United States, yeah. um, high level athletes. Yeah. Um, and I would historical figures. And, you know, as you know, I haven't done, extensive reading maybe you guys have done more reading on seneca than myself a little bit of listening a little bit of listening um and you know i would i would i'm going to go out on a limb here that that says uh whether or not you fully embrace the the stoic philosophy uh and maybe that leads to some um extremes or or other implications that that we're probably not touching on here um nor is this show really intended to do that but I think part of what I take away, and, and I'm going to totally agree with Tawny here, that you know there is wisdom to be found in in solid reflection uh, in different philosophies. So you may not fully agree with any one philosophical viewpoint. If you do, you're probably a sucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, and so whether like whether you come from um, like a, a Christian worldview, a, a, a Buddhist worldview, uh, different you know, different philosophical, whatever your creed might be, I think there's there's value to spend in introspection and, and thinking through your approach to, uh, to, to to writing and to life in general. And so 
we we kind of read and we listen to to Seneca, and it really is kind of like, whoa, there are applications from that philosophical worldview into writing, and which is pretty cool to be able to see some of those connections. For yeah. sure. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, check check it out, and and uh, yeah, definitely a podcast that I think we all endorse and listen to regularly. As, well, uh, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I mean, my best downhill races have been when I've been able to take what in retrospect was a stoic philosophy to the event. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, when, when you are not attached to the outcome, when you are not afraid of any outcome, and when you're ready for anything and embracing your reality, you're ready to compete. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, kind of one of the phrases is, uh, you know, you, you can't win if you're afraid of losing. And, and I think that's kind of some of the stuff that comes up in stoicism is like you can't, you can't take chances if you're afraid to lose. You know, it's like it talks about um, kind of practicing poverty and things like that. Well, an analogy is that if you look where you don't want to go instead of looking at your line, that's not the way to hit. You know, if you're trying to hit, a, if, you, if you're trying to ride your bike down a difficult section of trail, you want to look at exactly your line. You don't want to look anywhere else. And it, right. And, and this is kind of a metaphor, I think, for stoic thinking. Where you're not you're not looking to potential pain or potential dis, you know disaster. You're looking to the moment that you're in, and you're th- and 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 you're dealing with it for what it is, and you're trying not to make more or less of it than it is. Right. Like, and I think going along with that, you're not writing to not crash, and you also don't want to have an illusion that you're better or worse of a rider than you are. Mm-hmm. You want to. You want to be open to the reality of your riding ability at that moment. And, and you don't even want to be captive of, to your last run. You don't want your last run to be the limit on how well you could ride even. You want to be open to the possibility of having your best run. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, so that's uh, – and again, there again, you know, like I think one of these getting – actually starting to record a podcast has made me listen to more podcasts. Uh, Best in thing general. in my life. <laughs> yeah. <I> lo- <laughs> learned so much from Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan and, and, and the free diving podcast I listen to now and, and the dog training podcast I got into with Dr. Dunbar. And, and you know, what, what I find as well is, is I, I've listened to podcasts for a while and I would find myself listening to a specific line of podcasts. And so you know, as I've as I've started recording this podcast, I've actually started listening to different ones. And while I may not fully agree with with uh, a certain viewpoint or perspective that the that the hosts are are taking or, or guests are taking, what it really does is all these guys are well well thought. They have well thought out viewpoints, and they they really make you think. And you're like, huh, that's a really interesting point. And while I may not fully agree with everything they're saying, I can fully respect what he's saying. I can fully respect Have you respect ever met it. anyone who can really talk in that detail that you would fully agree with everything they say? Uh, I mean, I think you agree. I haven't. That, well, that's true, but I think maybe that's the that's the extreme. But but know. I also don't belong to a group where we've kind of agreed to think certain things. Right. Like, I'm not in a church. Right. And I think, like, you, but you do, you will probably find yourself in the presence of people that you agree more with uh, than in other groups. Like you have like a, this group right here. A general <laughs> consensus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, uh, it's, you know, all these things is, is really, really cool things to listen to. Yeah. yeah. And I love the long format discussion based <laughs> thing where, 
you know, it's not bound to segments and it's not bound to a producer's ideal or an advertiser's ideal. And the ideas really get hashed out and flushed out and people get to really say what they think and say more than a soundbite. Yeah, completely. And I really do like that 30-second fast-forward and two-minute fast-forward to get past like, oh, yeah. the, the, the advertisements at the beginning of these <laughs> so podcasts. What, no, what we, are, we listen to the advertisements. <laughs> yeah, so <I> mean, <laughs> what are you guys' favorite podcast, not not mountain bike-related podcast that you've heard lately? Uh, episodes or just episodes. episodes? I would say my favorite one that I've listened to was the, um, it was the Tim Ferriss interview with Walter O'Brien. And Walter O'Brien is... I think the fourth highest recorded IQ in history, and he runs basically kind of like a think tank called Scorpion Systems, and they started an entire show. Any fundable, and any, any funded need. Any funded need up to $5,000, yeah. Um, and uh, just fascinating stories that he... Above $5,000. Above, yeah. Minimum. <laughs> minimum 5000 Because it sounded like most of those were in the millions. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, super fascinating guy. If I mean... I go- liked his grayness. Like he didn't, like he had a no. His moral compass was like whether it was true, not whether it was like right or wrong. Well, I I think their I think their um, moral uh, guideline on if they will take on a task or a project or a job is it has to be positive or neutral. Right, it just can't be neutral. negative. <laughs> <laughs> but also that they they there's this whole thing of them feeling like they have an, an accurate understanding of what they're tackling. Like uh, right. Like they're not, right, they're no right. one's sucker. They're right. not, they're not going to be anyone's pawn or sucker or whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. Correct. So uh, anyway, it, it, the Tim Ferriss interview of that guy was really, really good. Like, I mean, I he's thought that, po- that was one of my like top five recent podcasts. Yeah, I, I got to sure. find that one. I haven't listened to that. Scorpion. It's, Scorp- it's called Scorp- Scorpion. Scorpion's the name of the episode on the feed. Um, my favorite recently was the Josh Waitzkin episode on Tim oh, Ferriss. Yeah, that oh, that one. one was really good. I, I felt like I was listening to a smart version of myself. <laughs> a smart version of you remind me of. Like if, if I got to do smarter, all the things dude. I would like to do and if I could speak, if I could articulate my thoughts more clearly and if I, and if I was actually creative and, and brilliant, that's maybe what I would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> and for people, uh, Josh Waitzkin is the, the character um, – that the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer was. It took me a couple of weeks to realize I had actually read his book in my early 20s. I think it's called Attacking Tress Strategies or something. Oh, okay. Um, oh, Attacking. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Uh-oh. But he's in. He's into slack. Uh, so slacklining. I got <laughs> yeah. into slacklining because yeah, because of, of podcasts and partially because of him. And I will say, I really believe slacklining is good for your bike riding. I yeah, believe I believe that core too. strength and your focus and and your mental clarity and and it's difficult. <laughs> it is very difficult. I did my first like take four steps, bake a hundred and eighty degree turn, and take four steps the other way the other day. Oh dang! Wow. Two weeks ago, I was struggling to be on there for a second. Isn't it crazy oh, nice. how like how wild the swings oh, can man. get in a heartbeat? It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, now for safety's sake, though, your slack line is set up about like, a foot off the ground. A foot off the ground. <laughs> I mean, it's it's about it's waist high until it sags down under weight. It's about a foot off the ground. Okay. Yeah, it's, and it's basically like a big strap and an industrial ratchet, right? So exactly. I did the the three quarter inch strap, Ooh. which does more lateral swinging and less pivot. Like um, less pivoting. Oh, interesting. Now three. Wait, three. Cor- like, very narrow. Very okay. And I did the crude ver- or the 
on a primitive version, there's no ratchet. It's just carabiners. Ah, and okay. I, part of what was really exciting to me about it is I got to learn how to make kind of a kind of like a ratchet without a ratchet with just carabiners. Ah, okay. Where yeah, it's yeah. kind of a over under over over under and then it's under the last over and then you pull it tight and it like tightens down on itself and and then it won't undo. It, it's pretty impressive and it and it's a nice little mental it's a nice little mental challenge learning it even if you know you, you YouTube it or follow instructions or whatever but it's still kind of like a wait 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 a second like okay okay. <laughs> That's cool. I I I just did the ratchet. <laughs> like have the I'm the only one without a slack line. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so how wide are your how wide is your post? Uh, your two I'm using my oak trees. Two oak trees. So up that's... in my up, they're wide. They're old oak trees. Right. Nice. But how far separated are they? About? Not very far. Maybe maybe 15 feet. Yeah. So the, I think the longer you the long the wider the distance, the more it swings. The more it swings, for yeah. sure. So mine, my only two trees that I have are. 50 feet apart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll have to compare notes. Yeah, exactly. So, but definitely, it, it, you know, it's interesting, this cross-training, this this kind of concept of cross-training through um, <laughs> listening to podcasts and how it might help you in your in your bike riding, a mountain biking, uh, slacklining, how that Philosophy, can... slacklining, <laughs> <Yeah>. keto diets. <laughs> <laughs> it really is kind of, I, I think years ago I was reading a book called um, How to Read a Book. <laughs> Mortimer Adler, and um, he talks about different levels of reading. And so the first one is is kind of that skimming, what you do with the headlines of a newspaper. And he progresses through to the the highest like level of reading. He calls is synthesizing, where you where you've read enough material that you're you start to synthesize different sources of information. And every time I, I talk about things to like To where everything you read is connecting to other stuff that exactly, you've read and then exactly. building new ideas building from building new ideas from there. And so it's kind of the same thing where listening to other podcasts, philosophy, you know, um, kind of the, the meditation or, or, or thinking through, you know, envisioning your, your bike ride or making it through a segment that you've never made it through or how to slacklining relate to, to mountain biking, all of these different things. Like, hey, as you guys are doing different things out in the world, um, it's amazing how much it's going to help your mountain biking and vice versa oh yeah mountain biking helps my surfing surfing helps my mountain biking <laughs> it makes me want to go yeah it makes me want to makes me want to try snowboarding again and the likes i i have a weird so i have a weird prejudice against boogie boarding oh interesting stand-up paddle boarding uh-huh and snowboarding. snowboarding's on the list. <laughs> Interesting. And I know it's a little out. The theme doesn't quite line up for a lot of people, but I think there's people out there who are going to relate. Mm. And, and I know it's a prejudice. I know it's a bias. And I know it's not right. And I still, I kind of celebrate it like a, like, <laughs> like kind of like, you know, one of those things where you, you kind of celebrate something about yourself that's not smart. Ah, but you know what? I was up in, in Montana and, um, uh, on a on a glacier fed lake, uh, glacier form lake uh, in in the middle of Montana, and we, we had a we had a paddleboard, and it was sublime, stand up paddleboard out out onto this. I lake. think of the three that might be the one that could turn me. <laughs> Although boogie boarding is really really fun, sponging, yeah. speed bumping. Uh, I don't <laughs> doubt it. But man, the the the, the sublime experience of of. Stand up paddle boarding out onto the out onto the lake in the you know in the late afternoon, it was pretty dang amazing. 
And maybe that's not what everyone gets into stand-up paddleboarding for, but that that's was my vision. I don't want to give that up and like become too enlightened. I'm just gonna keep my hate. <laughs> Haters will hate. Uh, anyways, so we we digress a little bit. Yes, definitely. Well, there's your in general what what else we're interested in uh, uh, segment of the of the show. We'll call that cooking. I I have this theory that all good bike mechanics are good cooks. Interesting, because I'm a terrible cook. You know what? As I was saying, I was like, wait a second, Nathan's the exception. No, it's because I think it's because Nathan just hasn't done it. Yeah, you just don't have practice. You're not a bad cook, you just are not an experienced cook. I'm not an experienced cook. I think once you got into it, you'd be killer. Oh, okay. Man, I came up with a recipe out of nowhere the other day. Because I've been avoiding sugar, which means I can't eat barbecue sauce, and I love barbecue chicken. Right, right. So I got these chicken legs, and I was like, you know, some drumsticks. And I was like, man, I'm gonna, I want to make some barbecue chicken. <laughs> um, it was before the Tuesday ride. Um, Jesse Peterson came over, and he's having a rough time. I wanted to cook him a meal. We had gone surfing. But, yeah, I figured it out. Um, balsamic vinegar, a little bit of white wine vinegar, some yep. soy sauce. Yep. And uh, and some like pepper, like some hot sauce, like like Tabasco type stuff. Mm. You marinate in that for about twenty minutes, and you're good to go. And it almost tastes like barbecue, and it's, it's tangy. <laughs> it's good. Nice. Yeah, the balsamic. I could see that. I could yeah. see that. Tasty. Yeah. You do that on the Smoky Joe with a little bit of smoky <laughs> exactly. flavor. The smoky Joe. The Weber Smoky Joe. Weber Smoky. It's like a thirteen pure inch. oak charcoal. That's right. That's right. It's like a little little charcoal based thirteen inch barbecue grill. Oh man, sorry guys, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so you don't even do like agave. Um, right now I am no processed sugars, no processed grains, and my big exception is beer. Ah. Is agave a processed sugar? Would you consider? Um, well, I I think agave might be um, borderline, but I'm also trying to stay to about under thirty, like under thirty grams of carbs a day. Oh right, right, right. But that has one of the lowest. It's got a very low, low on glycemic the glycemic index. index. Yeah, yeah, jinx. Yeah, <laughs> but I still think it's you know a tablespoon is probably like a third of my daily carb allotment or something. But that you I, you need so little bit of that stuff because it's so dang sweet. Yeah, Maybe a little dollop in your barbecue. sauce. I've always been more into the savory than the sweet. Anyway, yeah, I, agree. I agree. A little bit of lemon yeah. juice, I think, is the sweetness. Yeah, if I was going to do some, that's true. That's true. See, Nathan, we so after I think it was after our last podcast, we um, uh, with, with Megan there, um, Nathan Nathan had had stuff to cook with. Yeah, and um, I lent I lent I lent a, a hand in the in the kitchen, and uh, I, I saw I definitely saw potential there. <laughs> well, thanks, Ock. I, I appreciate it. Some some potential, just lack of knowledge and experience. That's right. It's that willingness to take knowledge and. Really consider the knowledge that you have while you tinker with the unknown Man. that translates ah, from okay. bike mechanic to cook. Ah, okay. It's, it's, it's the joke I tell my wife all the time, and this might, I think we've been clean till now and we're about to go explicit. So I have this joke with my wife whenever, whenever she's struggling, she, if, if she has a set of instructions, she can do anything. But if, what has to happen is someone just has to like kind of get in there and mess around and try different stuff and do some trial and error. She's pretty lost. <laughs> so the joke around the joke that I make over and over again, cause I like to beat stuff into the ground is 
sweetie, you just have to get in there and les out on it. (laughs) (laughs) And the joke is that, I mean, the crux of the joke is that having sex with a man, you just follow the instructions. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be successful. (laughs) Having sex with a woman is, you know... A process of trial and error, and what worked last time might not work this time. <laughs> and um, you know, there, there's not a cl- if you follow a clear set of instructions, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> you have to go into it with an open mind and uh, look at what's look look at the problems that are presented to you, <laughs> and uh, try to follow try try to like try to follow feedback from something that's not actually giving you feedback <laughs> and a lot of times that's working on a bike or or making any making number of appliances around the house work that aren't working right. or yeah. right right what's going to taste right together is this going to yeah. is this good is are these two add a little more of this work? and taste it again is it going to work <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah is it going to work <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you just and you start to develop an intuition i think with experience about what might work although it's not exactly the same every time Right. Yeah. It's kind of like it's fickle. It's kind of like mountain biking. It's fickle. Yeah. <laughs> Conditions are never the same twice in a row. <laughs> so much like the trails. Yep. <laughs> Man, we were on now that we've gone down this path. We were on the trail the other day, Joel and I, and we were riding in Oaks and we ran across um some people you guys know, and one of them was a young a, a woman that you guys know and she <laughs> we were we were really excited because it had rained and the trails were not very dusty and there was some moisture content. And Joel, or I said something about how moist the trails were. <laughs> and Missy oh, no. was like appalled. She did, <laughs> not, she did not like the word moist. <laughs> so I thought Joel had just the perfect perfect response oh, no. so like so i'm sitting there we're kind of out of breath we're sweating we're on the trail we run into missy it's like man this isn't this great it's so moist out here and missy's kind of like <laughs> and we're like what's the problem she's like i don't like that word and joel's like well it's pretty sandy out here <laughs> like no joke i was just like oh, <laughs> oh gosh I don't know. I think I probably could have told that story by itself and not pushed us to explicit. <laughs> but uh, but following on the it, heels of what we uh, yeah, I'm sorry, it's Dan. an explicit story. This is going yeah. straight to explicit. Yeah, <laughs> that was not. Was that the Joel Elrod? Yeah. Oh my M- god, Mr. Joel, that is awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Big Joel, Uncle Joel, I love it. Yeah, we probably could fill a whole podcast with stories about <laughs> oh, that guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> That I think we could. Remember that video of the backyard jumps and Ginger, the do- his dog that's dead now, and it was like sublime. And Winston did the video. Such a classic. Yeah, I did the yeah. no footer right, over right, the jump. Right. Yeah, yeah. Such a classic moment in, in my history. <laughs> Joel's house. Yeah, with the jumps in the backyard, the ladders. It's just this guy personifies Dickies and bike riding and beer and yeah. Blue collar, yeah. blue collar hero-ness. This guy's a, this guy's an old school blue collar hero. Uh, that's the truth. He actually induced in, induced me introduced me to. Ock went into labor right there, <laughs> and I did. And it, thanks, Joel. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> but um, he introduced me to Dickies as one of the best, like inexpensive mountain biking shorts. Have you checked out the new ones that have a little bit of elasticity to oh, them? Dang, I, there's new Dickies that have. It's like a performance Dickie. 
I got to check that out because the Dickies, like your $19 Dickies that you buy wherever, um, are phenomenal bike riding shorts. I know, like, not it's everyone weird. agrees with it. It's, no, I agree. <laughs> they don't get the rad, like, like front bubble on your, you know, on your front side. They, Where they kind of, they don't cup your junk up into a weird display yeah I think is what <laughs> thank you because there is a problem with a lot of cycling clothing clothing where your junk is cupped up into like an on display like right. like here it is and i'm holding my hands out in front of me like i'm exactly. offering something up exactly and um the dickies don't do that and they also don't snag like they don't snag your your crotch doesn't snag on the seat because they're meant for working doing they, work they are meant for doing work you don't need to wear a belt with them most and they're super tough yeah definitely i've had seriously i've had pairs of dickies for years and they start really getting nice as as biking shorts probably like 50 wears into it oh at least yeah Yeah, i mean because they start losing that real and they don't chafe yeah and they don't chafe you can put an arrowhead like 16 ounce arrowhead bottle on your front pocket you could that's super super hip like like (laughs) that will win you friends in the cutting edge of the enduro bro scene for sure (laughs) yep it's so enduro. I mean, I think that's Winston approved. Even. That that is, I've seen. Man, that's man ahead of his times. Oh man, Winston! That was years ago that he was doing that. The sixteen ounce water bottle. You know, he he was the first person I knew to ever run Stan snow tubes and have tubeless mountain bike tires. Is that right? Well, and and we set it up for him. He came in and he's like, I. I bought this online. Can you set it up for me? And we're like, oh, Google's our friend. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I love that guy. Winston, okay, so unlikely ride partners, Winston, Joel, Winston and Joel. You know how unlikely it is because they don't hang out anymore. (laughs) 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 Some things are too good to to persist. (laughs) Anyways, we could fill up a whole other show with those stories. Yeah, I mean, the shop's been around for a long time, and there's a lot of characters that have have been around around the scene here. Should we should we answer some question a question or two? I would say yeah. Let's yeah, let's, okay. uh, let's let's answer a listener question or two. We've got a little time. Well, so we've got. I'm just gonna. We've got Brad. Um. the The gist of Brad's question is what we think of putting your rear brake on your left hand and your front brake on your right hand. Ah. Your UK style or moto style? Wrong. <laughs> it's wrong style? Is it really moto style? Um, my motorcycle doesn't have a rear handbrake. I kind of wish it did, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It has a... You, it, you can, on moto, my you my left hand right is hand. a clutch. Your right hand's a clutch. Yeah. Yeah. So or, don't call it moto style. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a clutch on my... Left hand's a clutch. Yeah. Yep. Right hand's the front, front brake. Yeah. Um... Your rear brake is. Brad asked if we can, if if any of us can do a stop, a good stoppy on a motorcycle and a, and a mountain bike. And my answer to that is, I can do a pretty good stoppy on a mountain bike. And stoppies on motorcycles kind of scare me. Yep, I'm in the same boat. I can do it on a bike, but I don't think it's motorcycle. because of lack of modulation from my right hand, or because ah. of confusion from my right to left hand no, no i think it's the 220 extra pounds <laughs> well and just i the, think that's the it's implication also the, of the number question. of hours spent i mean i've yeah. spent a lot of hours on a bicycle and i'm really familiar with the center of mass and right and, and the tipping point and and all of that 
I think I think that's for me the biggest thing and less whether I'm confused about my right or left hand. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that. I mean, uh, if you're ever interested in seeing really good stoppies on a motorcycle, just Google Graham Jarvis. Oh man, some people are really good at that stuff. Yeah, he's uh he wins all the hard enduros and stuff. He can nose wheelie for days on a on a dirt bike. Well, and then there's that thing there's a there's a stoppy and then there's an actual nose manual where your front brake isn't involved, and to me that's one of the most kind of mind boggling skill sets in, in in cycling. Those people who can hop up onto their front wheel and and do a front wheel wheelie or a, man, a nose manual with without maybe without even a front brake on their bike. Yeah, that, I, a lot of BMXers don't even have a front brake and they're doing front wheel manuals. manuals. Right. Yeah. Insane. So, that's beyond me. <laughs> So, so what's our what's our listener act asking? Is he just saying what what's our opinion on reverse brake? Pretty much, um, yeah. And uh, he was tempted to switch his brakes because he's from what? Blah blah blah. He rides a stump jumper twenty nine. He doesn't judge. He wanted to, you know, he's tempted to switch brake levers in order to leverage some of the muscle memory that he's already developed. Um, so Com- coming from the motorcycle background. Right. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I started bike, and I ride moto from time to time, and I don't switch them up because it's such a different experience, and the braking is basically um, all on my right side, and it's foot and hand, and that's kind of well, registers the thing different too in my where brain. The only thing I really want to avoid is grabbing a handful of front brake when I don't mean to. And right. what's my front brake on the motor on my bicycle where I'm used to it is a clutch on the motorcycle, so it's never an issue. Right. There, it's a very different control pattern. I guess, so beyond just my opinion, a lot of my moto buddies that also ride mountain bike, none of them set their brakes up backwards. They all ride moto. Backwards. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all ride their, their brakes on their mountain bike regular, right-hand rear brake. And they jump on their moto no problem. And um, I, I actually can't think of a single moto buddy that does that. Um, so I know some people have made that rationale, but I would... Basically, if you don't drive on the left side of the road... <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't see... The, we are not endorsing it as having any kind of advantage. In that words, that being said... Um, we definitely recognize that it takes all kinds, and we will totally set your brakes up moto, no problem for you, or wrong, or, or, or hero, <laughs> or however you want to call it. Um, no big deal. Sometimes you need a bleed. Sometimes you don't. Not yeah. a big deal. And, and again, no doubt there's probably guys running their, their, their brakes backwards and, and ripping. And even if we make jokes at your expense, there's no judgment. Yep. <laughs> all right. Um, should we tackle Alan? Alan from Australia. Uh, oh yeah, I saw there was an Australia question. Yeah, thanks ca- for listening from Australia. That's Man, awesome. mad props. So wait, so you guys actually your fl- toilets actually flush backwards on there? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Alan, maybe you could answer that. I think your toilets swirl the other way. Uh, is it <laughs> counterclockwise? <laughs> um, anyways, he he's talking about um, um, cyclocross uh, geometry. And, um, again, I, I, I'm going to defer, uh, to my esteemed co co-hosts here on, he's running a on one pink bike, pink, pick and flick, 
a tie size extra large, has a longer top tube and slacker head angle than previous his previous uh, cross bikes, and he's running it with a shorter stem, 90 millimeters. Uh, he loves the way it handles, but since we talk a lot about geometry, he's wondering, man, is the tradition of of cross bikes being closer to road bike geometries holding back the progression of of cross geometry? So, well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is I've I've had this conversation, and I I don't know cyclocross geometry like I know mountain bike geometry, where I know the numbers off the top of my hand. But I've I've but had it's not the, progressing like mountain geometry. We do kind of know that. De- it's I, not on the I same agree. like rate of progression. Yes, and um, that that being said, the the sport of cyclocross and how it's raced has been pretty. It's pretty been pretty consistent over the years. And the one thing I I just want to bring up, and this is something that comes up a lot is it's the, um, it's the, don't forget what a cyclocross bike is meant to do. A cyclocross bike is intended for cyclocross racing. And cyclocross racing is typically high intensity, high turns, grass, sand, in an hour time frame. And not really steeper uphills or descents. Not steeper uphills or descents. Um, there's typically not steep descents. If there's uphills, you're, you're running them. Um, remember what, you know, if you haven't seen a cyclocross race, that will explain to you what a cyclocross bike is for. Now there's a new generation of bikes, these gravel grinder bikes or Mm -hmm. these like road bikes on dirt. Those are where you're getting a little bit more geometry progression. You're getting a little slacker heading, a little longer top tubes and also lower bottom brackets. And one of the things a lot of people complain about is like, Hey, cyclocross bikes seem to have high bottom brackets. Well, think about the application again. This is cyclocross racing. A lot of cyclocross racing happens in mucky conditions on very skinny tires. Well, what that does lowers the bike in relative to the ground. You don't want to hit the pedal well, strike. And it also time. happens at kind of mid speeds. Yes. Where a, a really low bottom bracket's good for really high speeds. Right. And yeah, cyclocross races, I've done cyclocross races that are all in grass and you're just railing corners around trees in grass. And that's why you're going to see steeper angles, shorter bikes, tighter turning lap after lap after lap. So I guess what, what I would say is, and this is something that I've seen time and time again with mountain bikers is they're like, Hey, I'm going to get a cyclocross bike and like kind of ride it on road and off road and ride gravel roads and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that's cool that's, and all that's cool and all. <laughs> And it seems like it's the right tool for the job from the outside, but it's not. Get like say a, a you know a a Fargo or a, you know a Kona Rove or like a Niner RLT or something like that. These Jake bikes, the have, snake, a Jake. Well, Jake the Snake's a cross bike. Oh, right? sorry, wrong. Yeah. Example. So um, get one of these like touring bikes, gravel grinder bikes. One of those bikes, if that's what you're going to use the bike for. And remember, cyclocross bikes are meant for cyclocross racing. And I would. My personal suggestion to my friends when they ask about this, if you're going to buy a cyclocross bike and you never intend to do a cyclocross race, get a different bike. Like a like more of like a drop bar mountain bike. Like a, or like bike. a Kona Rove or something yeah, right. like that. That's like, not a, you know, that's why Kona has a cyclocross race bike and then like a gravel grinder touring and they, bike. And they have that new bike, the Sutra LT, which is also kind of an interesting Right, dynamic take on that concept, and if but I, and if you start pushing over towards the mountain bike, the drop bar with the mountain bike, I think you want to look at something like a Fargo, right? Yeah, you know, that that you can ride it with the with the two and two point three five tires, and right. So, well, it reminds would, me of the time I rode my Surly Cross Check down um, 
the trail that is as sweet as pie that can't be mentioned. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, I, it was back in my youthful days when I was trying not to drive cars and when I was going to house parties. <laughs> and uh, I rode my, my cross-check from Tribuco Canyon to Costa Mesa and woke up on a couch in Santa Ana. And then the Sunday morning shop ride was in Laguna at 9 a.m. the next morning, and I rode over there, and we rode, we rode <laughs> oh, Laguna. Oh, my goodness. I, I remember sitting on my luggage rack on some of the steep downhills, and that was pretty fun. Nice. I have that cross-check. Oh, such a <laughs> bean green. Bean green. Yeah, the original one. Back when the cross-checks were built out of, uh, I think, 531. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so not to say that you can't do other <laughs> things with cross-bikes. You absolutely can. People have been doing them for years. But I would suggest, in light of all these new options on the table in these gravel grinder bikes, unless you're going to do cyclocross racing, don't get a cyclocross bike. And if you're looking for a slacker head angle or a bike that can handle, say, rougher roads and things like that, start looking at other... Um, adventure bikes. Adve- yeah, adventure-style bikes. Touring, off-road, yeah. bikepacking, adventure, gravel right. grinder. And, and if you're not familiar drop with... Drop bar mountain. Right. If you're not familiar with why a cyclocross bike seems steep and high and twitchy, go watch a cyclocross race and you'll go, oh, get it? That's what it's for. Well, yeah, it's not for going down steep hills. It's not for like charging um, kind of chunky loose. It's for pedaling speeds through a lot of turns and with a lot of obstacles. And for an hour. And for an hour. And these are pedaling speeds more or less on flat ground. Yes. High yeah. intensity, wrenching that bike around. For an hour. Alan has a good addition, too, to our pack discussion. He likes to bring super glue. Oh. And he says he uses it for tire cuts. And I know that people use it for first aid to close cuts. That's yeah. very true. That's a, that's, that's a I good I think there's tip. a bit of a technique to that, though. And you probably want to Google that. Yeah. That's oh, glue. Because you, you don't put the super glue in, in the cut. The ah, you yeah. put it on the good skin, I think. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like instead of, it can be like as good as stitches almost, I think, in the field. Right. So Google that or talk to your doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you but, know, if you're about to bleed out, just put some super glue on there. Exactly. Just hold it together. Drop as much super glue on you there as you like, can. You'll exactly. be fine. Put, yeah. your, put some on your finger and stick it over the... Um, but, you know, actually, just... So just Stick <laughs> your finger in your nose first. <laughs> yeah. So just wrapping up that, the, the evolution of the cross bike geometry question is maybe the cross bikes haven't geometry hasn't been evolving but genres of bikes surrounding that have been evolving yes so yes definitely if that's what you're looking for l- spread your uh, maybe spread your imagination and, and you might find an adventure bike fargo or gravel grinder and watch some videos of my old friend yanni who who kind of pioneered a lot of trials on road drop bar bikes <laughs> before mccaskill and those guys got into it ah okay that's not the guy. That's not the musician guy. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the musician. Okay. <laughs> y- y- Yanni the Yanni the mountain biker. He used to race downhill, and he can do like nose hop three sixties off a picnic table on a road bike. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, more questions? Um, yeah. What well, do you we guys got think? Roman from Florida. All right. Okay. He wants us to talk about. Um, the non-uniformity of trail signs. And I think that's kind of an interesting topic. There, there isn't a standardization. There's no definition for what is a beginner trail or a not, or an expert trail or a black diamond trail or, or, um, 
and, and, and in some areas you might see a multi-user trail designated one way versus a multi-user trail in another area might be designated with a different symbol. Yeah, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, in at least in the Orange County area, um, there's trail signs and some of the trail maps have ratings on them, but n- I haven't seen a trail rating on a sign in any of the parks around here. No, we don't really get that. Right. Which is almost, I think, almost better because... In, in, in places that I've gone that do have that, I've almost uniformly, I've almost universally found it to be more misleading than it is helpful. In other words, I see one person's double black and I get kind of uptight and tense about it and realize like, oh, <laughs> that person doesn't really ride. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> right. and then I see another person's, you know, blue trail, which in that trail network means easy and like I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy, and then I re- and then it's like, Whoa. man, I didn't know there was going to be like a <laughs> mandatory s- huck and like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it is contextual. So yeah, I think uh, the unfortunate reality is that mountain biking, you know, like I'm sure skiing has a federation and where these ski resorts all get rated and these runs have been there for years. Mountain biking is evolving. There's new trails all the time. There's different organizations, different locations. So um, as far as criteria for rating a trail, it's unfortunately it just doesn't exist at this time. I do think this is a discussion with IMBA and um, people, you know, the people who run, say, like Whistler and, and, and other parks. I think this is a discussion trying to get a more uniform mm-hmm. trail designation system. Right. Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And I think it's a good question. I think it's a question that um, leaders in the industry are asking themselves. And and uh, I, I do have some reason to be hopeful that we will see a more uniform, consistent trail designation system someday. Yeah. Well, even on group rides, it's funny, like, we're not even well calibrated amongst riders. Some guys like, "Hey, is this trail hard?" Oh yeah, it's easy. Like, how many times have we seen that story? Even just exactly. like, "Is this the last climb?" <laughs> can be such a difficult question to navigate. Yeah, exactly. Define climb. <laughs> Alan actually has a. Is that Alan? Sorry, Roman has a second part of his question. Uh, he'd like to hear the difference. Hear hear about is difference between coil and air shocks on the bigger travel bikes. I was looking into the eleven six. But without trying it out, it's hard to justify such a high cost. Man, I squished down on one of those on a customer bike the other day, and I wanted to buy one. What? Uh, fil- Wait, I'm sorry, the eleven six push. Yeah, so that's Push's new coil. Oh yeah, I was at Sea Otter this last it's heavy weekend. though. I look. Oh, it's so cool though. Oh man, it really it looks at, cool. The squish test. <laughs> I mean, from the squish test, it was really good. Squishy. The, the um the lockout lever on it has like a climb switch right but it's not a climb switch it's a mode 1 mode 2 switch mm. and each of the modes has high speed low speed compression so basically you can set high speed low speed compression For a two? and oh, low high speed low speed compression b and if I one of it. those wants so all in or if one of them wants to be a slightly stiffer or a jump mode or something like that, it's just a mode A, mode B. I love it's it. It's really nice. cool. Darren's a really smart guy up at Push. I've always really liked his energy and his enthusiasm. And he is one of the few people in the bike industry who seems to consistently deliver something outside of what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Well, and, and when I saw that shock, I went up to the booth. I talked to the guys a little bit. I said, so how much is this shock? And they're like 1300 bucks. Without batting an eye, I was like, fair enough. 
Yeah. When you look I, at the I, thing, I, you're I, like, you made me want it more. I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> that seems like a fair price. That's Wait, so awesome. and it's a half a pound heavier. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a really amazing rear yeah. shock. But I guess uh, to to the question, the one thing that I've noticed is. Um, the linearity of a, of a coil shock and the small bump sensitivity of a coil shock is something that is close. It's getting closer in air shocks, but it's still, I still think there's a difference. And um, now that Fox actually, they released it this weekend at Sea Otter, they have their X2 shocks with the climb switch on them now. Oh, nice. Um, I'm really tempted to get one of those in the coil format. In, in addition to the two things you said with uh, it's consistency. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, definitely coil shocks, like Nathan said, are as a rule pleasure than air shocks. Mm-hmm. And the ramp up, I think, is different for sure. Um, yeah. For better or worse. Um, I like the ramp up of coil. It's less linear usually, I think, which maybe you would or wouldn't like, Nathan. But um, the consistency whether at any altitude, at any heat, at, at any, you know, with the air shock, you start to, if your air seal starts to become less lubricated, it gets sticky. If it gets hot, it feels different. If, it, if it's at a different altitude, it feels different. It feels different at the bottom of the run than the top of the run. The coil shock is, the consistency to me is probably the thing with the coil shock. Yeah, over over the small small bump sensitivity being number mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. and um and ramp up rate being number three, all important factors. Yeah, well, the cool thing is, I mean, the you know the weight penalty is is still there. Um, I think for a while we were seeing titanium springs, which were really pretty cost prohibitive, three hundred fifty bucks for a spring. And the reality is, every time I bought a coil spring, I end up going through three springs to tune it in. Um, but uh, Fox has what they call the SLS, which is the super light steel springs, right. which are um, pr- almost as light as titanium springs and, like, way less expensive. Really um, cool. Yeah, and they look great. They're orange. They're they're really sweet. So um, I have an orange process. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm highly considering getting the new Fox X2 with the climb switch and a, a coil over with an SLS spring. Me too. Oh, man, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> So I guess that sort of answers that question about you know just kind of listening to ourselves uh, on the big on the big travel bikes. Um, yeah. Well, and the and the downside up till now has been that almost all the coilovers don't have any kind of climb uh, climb switch. Um, but uh, now that Fox has offered that with a climb switch, and I think Cane Creek has one as well. Yeah, yeah um, and that with that SLS spring as well. Yeah. Exactly with the SLS spring, so um, and I'm gonna have to look into that for the um, for the for the process. I think I think a coilover on the process 153 would actually feel really good. I had a tough time tuning the the air shock on that right. bike personally, and I would have loved to have run a coil on that bike. Man, all right, I'm gonna look into that. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Well. Um, I actually think we're pretty high on time. Yeah, I, I'm thinking so too, Nathan. Um, well, yeah. Thanks, thanks to all our, um, thanks to all our our listeners who have been sending us questions. Um, we do have quite a few questions, and we're going to keep working through them and and getting through them on on some of the shows. 
Um, you know, I think one of the things we didn't want to turn the show into a complete question and answer show, but we do want to get to some questions uh, every time we can. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for hey, and all. Th- thanks for bearing with our tangents. Um, you know, we really enjoy talking about all these different things. So yeah. hopefully, you enjoy the ride too. I mean, really, um, it's it's enjoyable for us, and and hopefully, it's enjoyable for you too. Yeah. And so always remember to um, to send us questions to sales at the path uh, at the pathbikeshop dot com, and uh, we will add those to our list and get to them eventually, and participate in the uh, hashtag on Instagram hashtag uh, the path podcast. All right. Good night, all. And a good night to you, sirs. <laughs> I